Welcome back to Growing in His Word. God bless you guys. Listen, man, last week we were talking about Revelation chapter 18 and 19. And we were we were talking about John, how he was worshiping an angel and he was corrected because he fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And John was a little bit, you know, confused about, you know, he's, he was, he, I mean, he fell on his feet to worship the angel, but the angel corrected him. And so last week we talked about that, and how heaven exalted over Babylon in chapter 19, and we were just, it's radical. I mean, you know, here we have a beautiful picture of the bridegroom and the bride. We have Jesus coming back, the marriage of the Lamb, the new Jerusalem, a bride adorned by her husband. We see the church exactly for what it's what it's what it is today. And it's, you know, it's a marriage. It's a marriage supper. It was a one day everyone will see that the church, they will see for what she really is. It's the precious bride of Jesus Christ. And we talked about how, you know, we have to be watchful and thankful and mindful. And we've got to be understanding that Jesus Christ is coming back to nail the devil and to finish his work upon the earth. And so as believers, we got to be ready in season and out, but understand that God is in control of everything that uh, you know, we we think we we have nothing over, you know, <laughs> meaning he's in control of everything in our lives. He's not going to let things hurt us. You know, he's not going to he loves us. And so he's he's got an awesome plan for us. And so basically we come before you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for growing in his word and we thank you, Father, for the radical a book of Revelation that you left John on the island of Patmos. And Father, we thank you for the faithfulness, Lord, that you have that you have showed us, Father, even when we were sinners, yet you died for us, Lord. Wow, what an amazing, just an amazing thing in, in that in itself, Father. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, man, you guys grab your Bibles. You don't have to if you don't want. I'm going to read it verse by verse, man, because this is how we roll on growing in his word. Listen, last week, heaven was exulting over Babylon. And we talked about in verse six, it said, and I heard as it were a voice of a great multitude at the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings in John in Revelation 18, verse 6, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Verse 7 said, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Believers, who is the wife? Well, you may think, Well, I've been married to my wife for this many years. No, God is talking about the church. Are you, as a believer in Christ, ready for the return of our Father? 
This is very important because God is saying, look, I want you to be ready. It says, he says that the lamb is coming. And verse 8 says, and to her it was granted to be arraigned in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is, is the righteous acts of the saints. So look, believers, we have to be ready because we want to make sure that we want to be spotless. I'm not saying we're all perfect, but in this perfect union with Jesus, his people will be clean and bright before him. And the word clean in, 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 in Greek is katharos. Uh, it basically reflects purity and loyalty and faithfulness. It's the character of the new Jerusalem that's bright and is the color of a radiant witness. It's that, that basically depicts glorification. It's Jesus Christ because the fine linen is the acts of the saints and believers are created for divinely prepared good works. These are the righteousness, righteous acts that are that will that will fill the hope chest of the bride of Jesus because Jesus is the only righteous person. Ours sucks. Listen, I'm going to read and then we're going to talk about it some more. And we're going to talk about what Paul was speaking about. Because Paul said of his desire that Christians would be presented before the Lord pure. He said, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have berothed you to one husband that I may present you as a, ch a, a chaste virgin to Christ. Corinthians 11 verse 2. This should be the desire of every Christian worker. So many people ask me, what do I do, man? How do I get this? How, I Bro, sit and trust and rest. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus himself eagerly anticipated this marriage supper. He spoke longly on the day when he would, when, when he would drink of the fruit of the vine again with his disciples in the kingdom. Matthew chapter 26, verse 29. But today we're living in a society where people are all about me, me, me. I, 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 oh, poor me. Give me, take me, buy me, show me, entertain me. I think I haven't had a TV in 28 years. And I feel my, I, you know, I went into a restaurant and I, I was looking at the TV and there was like, all these channels. It was like I was an Amish guy coming out of the forest. I mean, there's 157 channels and 200 of these. And why? You could be entertained with this and entertained with that. And the lady said, what channel would you like it on, sir? Well, you enjoy your food. I said, well, I haven't been out to dinner in years. I don't believe in going out and spending money on restaurants when you can go home and buy and cook. It's cheaper. And so I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these channels and it's like, entertain me here, entertain me there. ESPN this, sports this, sports that, uh, this, that, drama, soap opera, this, that. I, I, I said, look, lady, just give me a salad and I'm going to call it a day. <laughs> 
entertaining, man. Entertain me. What kind of society are we in today, man? Entertain me. And then you got the kids on the video games, you know? It's like, take out the trash, mom. It's like, hold on, I'm playing Games of Thrones and Thrones and Games and and all these video games that sidetrack your children and make them monsters. Oh, that's not nice, calling my child a monster. Well, look what they're playing. They're separating their their lives from reality. It's monstrous, if that's even a word. Monster thinking. It's get away from that. You're isolating your life from Jesus Christ. You're cutting off a relationship with Jesus Christ and you wonder why your kids are on Xanax. And they're up all night because the, the brain is stigmatized by these phones to where you, oh, I'm up all night. I can't sleep. And you got to drug the kid just to get them to sleep. I mean, I was in the shopping center the other day and I was buying groceries. I seen two little kids passed out in a, in a shopping cart. And the parents said, I go, wow, it's nighttime. It's daytime. It's like they're sleeping. Yeah, we just gave them some gummy bears. Gummy bears? What's in the gummy bear? You see, we're living in a generation that seeks a sign. And God and, Jonah, and Jesus said, no sign shall be given except for Jonah in the belly of the whale. Three days and three nights. Signifying that Christ would rise and die on the cross for our sins. Believers, listen. God is omnipotent. And he reigns. And it says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. The church has made herself ready. He didn't say, get all these games and get spun out on sports and TV and go to the Rams game and the, and the 49er game and go, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's picking on me. Oh, he's, you know, no, get ready for Jesus, man. You got one life, one wife. It's that serious. But, 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 no, there's no excuse. You don't know when your last day is going to be. And to her it was granted, in verse 8, to be arraigned in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, write, write it down, man. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Verse 10, and I fell at his feet. To worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren. You have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of the prophecy. Boom! He was talking to the angel saying, Look, I'm not, hey, the angel said, I'm not God. Don't worship the messenger. Okay, John's like, Okay, I get it. I see. I see what's going on here. But then in verse 11, it really gets hardcore because that's the dream I had at 3 30 in the morning. Not that I'm some prophet. Here we have a summary of what God's going to do when he comes back. He is on the white horse. We see heaven exalting over Babylon here. We see the 24 elders and the four living creatures, the true consistently Worship of God. And we see the destruction of the system that originated in the fallen angel satanic system, which was the Babylon system. The marriage of the Lamb is coming, and God is saying, come to me. And it's 
the bride of the Lamb is wearing the garments of precious fine linen that symbolizes the good works of believers. In other words, the white garments signify faithful and obedience to God. Look at Matthew chapter 22. We got to be obedient. It starts in obedience. Then we read the word. We get off these games. We get off these computers. We get off these gossip channels. We, we start to dwell inside the word of God and, and, and the word becomes, uh, you know, the flesh, not, you know, John chapter one. And we then start to realize we don't need things to make us happy. We need Jesus because verse 11 says, now I saw heaven opened. Wow. And behold, a white horse and he who sat on it, him who was called faithful and true and in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except himself knew. He was clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Bam, there it is. Believers and the armies in heaven, listen to this, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on a white horse. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that is that with his with with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of almighty god and he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written king of kings and lord of lords listen believers listen believers jesus christ is coming back according to Zechariah 14, verse 3 and 4. When Jesus returns, he will come first to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem and the plea of Isaiah 60, uh, 6, uh, the, the, the plea of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 4, 1, it's, it's now fulfilled, I believe. And on that, you would says, it says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns. Brushwood as fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries. The nations may tremble at your presence. This prayer for deliverance will be on the lip of the Jewish people surviving through the great tribulation. Unlikely as it may seem, now they will cry out to Jesus, their Messiah, for deliverance as a whole. And they will embrace him as their Savior, as Jesus said in Matthew 23, Verse 39, I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And hard pressed by the terrible persecution of the Antichrist, Israel as a whole will turn their hearts towards Jesus and he will deliver them at the late hour because God is faithful and true. And this is what he's talking about. (laughs) I'm just so excited. I may not sound excited, but honestly... It's going down, man. Listen, you know, a lot of people get upset. They say, how can I feel better about myself? Well, know that Jesus Christ loves you and he will never take his eyes off you because he he died for you. Listen, believers, the beast and his armies are defeated And verse 17 says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, 
and you may eat the flesh of the kings, <laughs> the flesh of the captains, the flesh of the mighty men. Listen to this. <clears throat> the birds are going to be feasting on the carcasses of the fallen armies gathered in opposition against Christ. And it says, the flesh of the horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all the people, free slave, both small and great. Listen to this, believers. The picture basically here is that God is going to judge everything. But this love letter is saying your names all over it. Whoever your name may be, God's saying, I love you. This, I'm left, left the book of Revelation so that you know I'm coming, so you know what's going on, and you can see that you are not alone. Listen, and I saw the beast, verse 19, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Verse 20, then the beast was captured with him, the false prophet who worked signs in the presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, you know that. These two were cast alive in a lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Listen, God is going to bound Satan now for a thousand years next in chapter 20, but know this. Okay, the picture of the beast, okay, has already been sent. It was in 17. Remember Revelation? And it's almost certainly the same as those gathered for the battle of the great day of Almighty, God's Almighty. The Armageddon, it's going to happen. And the beast is destroyed and the false prophet are captured and cast alive in the lake of fire. And the eternal destiny, and the eternal destiny of all unbelievers are going to be with them. So if you are not a believer, sadly, don't shoot the messenger. You will not go and reign in heaven with Jesus Christ. You may be thinking, wow, I can't believe you said that. Well, guess what? Wow, look around you. I said it. Christ doesn't care who you are or what you are or what power you have. Kings will be eaten and, and birds will f feast upon the flesh of the rotten kings. You think God really cares about your Mercedes-Benz or your big house or your money or your bank account, whatever it is, put it there. All he cares about is a personal relationship with you and a loving relationship with you because he wants to love you. He wants to have a radical, merciful relationship with you. Satan is a liar. He wants to tell you the opposite. He wants to tell you that you're no good. Here we see Jesus Christ coming back with his army. With, he's coming back to destroy this violent earth and the violent people that are upon it. Listen, the rapture is already going to take place. Revelation chapter 4 talks about that. Listen, it's good for us to remember that this is a basically dramatic display of judgment. But it's, it comes only... At the end of the long time of grace, patience, and mercy. This is no rush into judgment. Jesus has, has uh, mercy. He's displayed his nature of mercy and forgiveness and grace to, to this fallen world. He's come now to judge a world hardened 
and totally given over to their rebellious against him. These are the people that have utterly casted out Jesus Christ and don't want him anymore. And all these passages point to a sad conclusion that in the day of judgment, it's too late for men to accept the mercy of God. There is nothing more inflexible than divine judgment where grace has been spurned in the scene of an awful judgment which comes from this background and is basically a flat contradiction of the modern point of view that God is dominated entirely by his attribute of love. Believers, remember that he does it all in righteousness. The wars which he wages are from the principle of ambition, lust, or power, or extension of conquest and dominion. They are righteousness. They are principle in, in, in their own object. And this is perhaps what no earthly, uh, uh, call it could ever say. Uh, I've lost the word, but I'll get it later. So Jesus is the only king who always... Jesus Christ is the only king who always wars in this fashion. Okay? So believers, listen. He's merciful. He's loving. Okay? He's graceful. And he wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to send you to hell. God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. But he wants you to come as as. Remember the bride, the groom, the bride and the groom. He wants you to come. You're part of his church. The supper of salvation. This is Luke chapter 14, verse 16. <clears throat> the Lord's supper of, of, of um, commemoration of Jesus' sacrifice. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The supper of, great, of the great God. But if you reject this first supper, the second supper will mean nothing to you. Then you will not be present at the third supper, but you will be present at the fourth supper. Everyone gets to attend at least one of these suppers, but someone will eat and others are eaten at the suppers. Believers, listen. I know it's hard for you to understand. It's a lot of words. Basically, what I'm trying to say is Jesus Christ has a supper. He has a feast. He wants to invite you to his feast. Now. Not when it's too late. Not when you're old or no, not when you, now. Tomorrow you may not be here tomorrow. You may not be here Wednesday. You might not be here in an hour. Receive him now. There's salvation in Jesus Christ. He has a plan for you. You may think, how do I get out of this plan? Oh my God, there's so much drama in my life. I can't do it anymore. Satan's going to be bound on the next chapter because Satan is already on the earth and he's bothering everybody. Believers, Christ is on a white horse. He's saying to be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. We need to be happy. We need to be on fire like, a, like his eyes, like a flame of fire and and it's, you know, Christ is awesome, man. He's in love with you. And he wants to marry you. And he wants you to come to his supper. He's saying, come home. All you who are thirsty, 
come to me. All you who are weary, come to me. All you who are broken, come to me. Are you broken today? Is your heart broken? Is your life so bad where you can't even see straight because you think you blew it and there's no hope? And you may be waking up hung over from a party last night or, or you may have cheated on your loved one and you just feel so guilty you want to die. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me and I'll forgive you. Seek me and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Are you hurting? Christ says, look, stop. I will fix your hurts and I will mend your heart and give you a new life. But you have to admit what you are, a sinner. We're sinners. We're sinners. We fall short. But Jesus is saying, don't worry. I'm here for you. I'm going to bound the devil. I am the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I will strike the nations that are nasty. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron and he himself treads the white press of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of King and Lord of Lords, and God can take care of your problem. Trust me. You got to say, I want you to take care of it now, Father. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I've been double-minded. Doubtfulness. I've been so weary, Lord, and I don't know where to go. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me and I'll give you true life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me. Will you? Will you stop worrying and come to me and rest in me and I will give you hope? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but yet loses his soul? Or what will a man exchange for his soul? Tell me, what will he exchange? Rock fame? Money? It, you know, you may think to yourself, what does that even mean? It means get your eyes on Jesus and get him off of the problem. God's going to be truthful to us and he's going to be faithful to us because he loves us. Listen. Plant the seed. Let the Lord water. Get out there and say, look, here's a seed. For, here's something from Jesus, man. And let God water it and watch what he does. God's going to get even. We don't have to get even. He says that he's going to, he is going to tread the wine press of his fierceness and wrath. He's going to do it, man. We don't need to. He's already going to, you know, he's already established his kingdom. He destroyed Babylon in 18. They threw the dust of their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which the whole ships and the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. We've seen it. We don't know how it's going to end, but it's going to end wherever this Babylon is. It could be America. Oh, that's not, that's not biblical. You don't know. Oh, yeah, I know I can go through all these. No, no, listen. We can get into that next time, but the European nations are, are uh, you know, they established. 
America to the Magna Carta? I mean, it's, it, it, you know, we can, we don't know, but God does. And, and basically he uh, made it desolate. And so <laughs> God is powerful and he can heal you. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this chapter, Lord. We thank you that you've healed us, Father. We pray now by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you touch the believers and non-believers out there today that don't know you. Lord, be with them, Father. Lord, give them the, that thirst to seek you and to know you, Father. What a blessing it is, Father. That they come to you, Father. In your name, Jesus, amen. Listen. God is in love with you and he wants you to seek him and know him. Will you do that today? Will you go and open your Bible and read and fall in love with Jesus and your problems will go away? Yes, you'll have trials, but you will also have something called peace in your heart, knowing that when you die, you'll go to heaven. Jesus doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He's merciful and merciful and merciful. He wants us to fall in love with him and have a personal relationship with him. God bless you guys, man. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Next week, we're going to be in John, uh, in Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to talk about Satan being bound. We're going to talk about Satan being bound for a thousand years. And we're going to talk about the saints how the saints reigned with Christ for a thousand years. We're going to talk about the satanic rebellion crushed. It's my, this is my real favorite chapter. And we're going to talk about Magog and Gog and how it relates to the Ezekiel 38 and 39. We're going to talk about the Great White Judgment. And then we're going to be finishing this book soon, man. I'm excited, man. I don't know about I'm really excited, man. We're, going to, we're almost done with the book of Revelation, man. And God bless you guys. Listen, thank you for growing in His Word. And love you guys on um, on iHeartRadio. Thank you guys for all your uh, emails and letters. God bless you guys. And thank you for growing in his word. God bless you guys. Until next week, Jesus loves you. <laughs>